Welcome to Conversations and Connections with HBA Toronto, the podcast that gives you access to industry pioneers, giving us an opportunity to learn together as we aim to achieve our goal of getting more women into leadership roles. Twice a month, we will be sitting down with influential leaders and HBA members from healthcare and the life sciences to gain valuable insights from their careers and key lessons that they've learned. We will also be bringing you discussions with industry trailblazers around hot topics of the moment. This is a fantastic opportunity for career growth, so please join us. Welcome back, HBA members. Today is episode seven and our fourth healthcare leadership interview. I am Christina Bellier, HBA Toronto Marketing and Communications Board member and your host for today's podcast. Today on the podcast, we're talking to Lee Ferreira, who is the general manager of Faring Pharmaceuticals Canada. Lee has close to a 30-year experience in the pharma biotech industry. She's a forward-thinking business builder, which is reflected in her four well-earned promotions in nine years at highly specialized biotechnology and pharmaceutical companies. Before moving to Faring, Lee was the president and CEO Canada at Leo Pharma and the chief executive officer at Medical Futures and held various senior leadership roles. Lee holds a master's of science sorry, Lee holds a master's of science degree in anatomy and physiology and a bachelor of science degree from the University of Toronto. An interesting fact is that her first opportunity in the industry was with Faring as a clinical research associate, which has now come full circle as she leads the Canadian team. Lee is a leader in our healthcare community, giving her time for events like the HB8, being a part of HBA's Mentor Mentee program, and even squeezing in time to speak with us today. (laughs) I've had the privilege to hear you speak at our last HBA event, and I am so excited to get another opportunity to speak with you again, Lee. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Christina. It's a pleasure to be with you today, and I really want to express my appreciation in the invitation. So I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Course. And in case I missed anything off your very impressive resume, why don't oh. you just take a few minutes to introduce yourself? I think the introduction was more than it could be. And I'm not sure what more I can share other than uh, I've been now with Faring as the GM for the last uh, four years, leading the Canadian affiliate. And, um, and I really do truly enjoy uh, what I do. I enjoy being around people, leading people, and I have a tremendous joy uh, in working in this organization. And the fact that I started my career with Perry, <laughs> yeah. um, it's a it's a lovely story that I like mm-hmm. to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was amazing. So when I saw that, I was like, that is that is such an yeah. amazing fun fact. So kind of switching it to HBA really quick, we always sort of ask, you know, our guests, what interested you in the HBA and sort of why do you offer your time to us and our organization? Well, I, I think in short, um, I have this firm belief that I have uh, truly uh, been blessed. And yes, hard work uh, came with that, but to have many, many opportunities with it within this industry, an industry that, um, you know, is evolving and ever changing, but 
has created such opportunity for learning and development for me personally. And um, I was helped along the way. Um, I will say that um, outside of a few uh, women leaders, uh, I was mentored mainly uh, by uh, male, male leaders that I had uh, the pleasure of working with. And I have this firm belief that, um, you know, it's, it's really our responsibility as leaders, whether we're men or women, but certainly as a woman, to pay that forward, to give that back. And what I see here in uh, the HBA is this opportunity where there's this platform provided, you know, for networking, Mm -hmm. for education, for sharing of best practices, lots of, again, opportunity for women to learn from other women and learn from men as well. And we aren't successful without both genders, Mm -hmm. but I do have a firm belief that, um, you know, as we, as we look at still C-suites, we can do better in terms of gender parity and we need both at the table. Mm -hmm. We are better with both at the table. So this is, you know, why HBA, uh, you know, and I'm drawn to it is simply because it, it provides me that opportunity Mm -hmm. to, support young and even those of us that are a little older support women within our industry and we need more of them I couldn't I couldn't agree more and you know there's days when you're you know you're doing all these extra sort of curriculars if you will and you're thinking uh, but it goes right back to I love that you said pay it forward because yes. you know I you I want to do the same and especially um and the pharmacist industry as well to, to, you know, to highlight some great leaders, especially over the last year. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And this is why I'm doing the podcast and why I spend so many hours also <laughs> doing everything for HBA. Cause I think um, it's very exciting where we're going with it in Canada. Completely agree. Mm-hmm. So kind of going into some career questions to get to know you a little bit better. If you could, what would be one word that describes your leadership style? If you could just give one. Uh, I had to think about this. (laughs) Uh, But I I would say one word is Mm -hmm. transformational. That's that's it. It's transformational leadership. And I love coming into an organization truly. Um, it's, It's not because anything has to be quote unquote fixed. It's not about that. It's mm-hmm. about how do we improve? How do we become better? How do we grow? How do we develop? How do we create a culture where we, you know, we, we feel that we're valued and we're contributing? So for me, that's the word I would use. And there's different types of leadership styles. Mm-hmm. We could go into a lot of them. And we could also say that some work in some situations better than others, but overall, I would say transformational. That is great. So what are some of the biggest accomplishments um, that you've had in your career, you know, or personal or both? Uh, Well, when I think about my career, I mean, some might say my progression in my career is an accomplishment. Um, And yes, uh, it is. Yes, Uh, (laughs) agreed. And yes, it is. However, that is not really how I define my success Mm -hmm. uh, or my accomplishment. It truly is 
about contributing to the development and to the succession of individuals that I've personally worked with. So those that are ready, how do we create an environment for them to continue to, to succeed, to thrive, to progress? Um, and I tell you, again, again, greatest accomplishment for me is seeing uh, individuals, people that I have personally worked with or have worked with me or even for me, um, typically we work together mm-hmm. um, and seeing them just uh, thrive in this industry and go on to do incredible things. Um, so much so that as I, you know, uh, transition to my retirement, I'll be asking them for a job. But truly, it's seeing them flourish and grow mm-hmm. and watching that happen and hoping that perhaps I made some small impact um, on them having that ability to move on and move forward. Absolutely. And it's sort of mentioning full circle. We had spoke, you know, back uh, after the HBA event and, you know, you had said things that really inspired me and, you know, I, I ended up, you know, I got a promotion. I really felt more confident in becoming, or, you know, trying to become a leader in our healthcare space. And, you know, I I must, you know, say to our listeners, it's just those little gems when you cross paths with people that can make all of the difference. Good. Yes. I agree. I completely agree with that as well. (laughs) Yes. So then for you, what CEOs or leaders have you looked up to or who inspires you currently or had in the past? I have to say this, you know, there's many, many people um, that inspire me or that say, as you said, they say one thing and it completely resonates and it Mm -hmm. just uh, becomes almost adopted immediately. There isn't any one singular, I think I... CEO that I would say in particular that I I think about. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think about many of the people throughout my career that taught Mm -hmm. me. They taught me how to treat people, how you want people to feel. They taught me about what I would never do to anyone um, Mm -hmm. or how they, they, they would be treated. So all those key learnings truly um, they were they were lessons along the way that I have brought forward with me, um, yeah. and I would say really what I'm uh, intrigued and interested about is really the this whole concept of organizational psychology, right? The culture mm-hmm. in an organization. What's most important to people? How do we create? Um, that space so people can succeed. Um, and so who I really love to read and follow right now is, um, is Adam Grant, who just wrote a, a book called oh. Think Again. Okay. He wrote, I'm always talking about books. Uh, Christina, you know that. I, <laughs> I, I, pro- I think I had a book about resilience mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when we were having our discussion um, on HB8. But um, I am quite drawn to many of the things that he's saying about even challenging how we think, why we think the way we think. Um, he had another great book, Give and Take. And where I started reading him is uh, his, his book, uh, I think, together with Cheryl Sandberg called Option B. 
So just very intrigued. I won't even, you know, you're going to ask me something about myself and (laughs) and I'll come back to that. But this whole concept of organizational uh, psychology and what that means for people Mm -hmm. is honestly right now, what's quite inspiring. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie. I wrote that down. So as soon as sort of we're done this tonight, I will be going to go look it up. Yeah. I'll be looking look it up. up and yeah. Um, yeah, maybe he's got a few blinks. I get the blinkest up. So maybe I can catch up with some of that too. There you go. And I think it's, um, and I remember kind of back to one of our earlier conversations where, and I'm, my, 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 I'm getting older in years, so I can't remember if it was 2017 <laughs> or 18, but remember, you know, at the time going to an eye for pharma at Philadelphia in Philadelphia and yeah. hearing Paul Navarro, who was oh. at the time president of fairing, I, I believe I'm saying that right speak. And I've never been more sort of, uh, I don't know if moved is the right word, but inspired yep. just the way yes. that he spoke. Yes. And I immediately thought there's something special about him in this company. And I, yes. you know, I just thought that was great. And, and sort of linking that back when we spoke. And then kind of being inspired by you. I feel like there's a common thread here, but (laughs) Paul is Paul is on a whole other level. I so Mm -hmm. agree with you. What an incredible, incredible human being. And it is true. He has such presence when he speaks Mm -hmm. that um, you can do nothing but completely uh, listen and be a hundred percent engaged. He just commands the room in the most um, humble way. Yeah. It's, it's quite remarkable. Yeah. It, quite it, remarkable. it was, I remember walking away and I was just, you know, he gave us ideas. He sort of changed the way that we thought of our own products yep. within my organization. And I just thought, wow. Challenge <laughs> so, your thinking that that's yeah. it. Challenge your thinking. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I'm excited for now linking that with Adam, Adam Grant. <laughs> yes. Um, so then Kind of, well, well, we've already really touched on this, but how do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things in your role? So, so, you know, I, I will reach out uh, to my network and I have a a large network. I mean, we're a small industry in Canada, so (laughs) suffice it to say, we all know one another. Um, But I I have to tell you, I read, I read a lot um, Mm -hmm. uh, if, if, and I'm very curious So I'm curious about people's opinions. I'm curious about, um, you know, what, um, what current thinkers are suggesting interested in innovation. Even now, if you take our current, uh, situation truly with COVID, how has that forced us all Mm -hmm. to really accelerate and amplify all the things we've probably been speaking about in terms of how we engage, how our, the, these new business models need to evolve. I mean, all of that, um, mm-hmm. that, that's, that, that, that's really taking the time to speak to other leaders, speak to people, do read, read, um, <laughs> yeah. I, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, uh, ask questions, um, speaking even to, you know, um, uh, industry associations. I know we belong to Biotech Canada, having the ability to speak to Andrew Casey, for example, and just getting a pulse on things. That's um, the easiest way. I think I've said this before, right? Ask, just ask, 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 ask. 
um, see what you hear, see what works, see what you can apply um, and, and keep moving because that's what we need to do. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask. I feel like sometimes no. you there's that confidence, but it's just sort of start throwing, throwing that out there to people. Well, here, here's a quote from Adam Grant, because I wrote it down because I love it. You just said confidence. Mm-hmm. Well, confidence is a measure of how much you believe in yourself. So you believe in yourself, you will ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, well, I think that's, um, again, where I'm always sort of thanking the H, you know, HBA over the two years, it's really helped me to find my confidence. And, um, you know, it, again, just trying to hopefully pay it forward by having people inspired by our talks and the things that we do to find their own confidence, because you just said it, it's, you know, that's something you just have to have and it might not be easy to find, but you, you know, we all get there. I think <laughs> we, we do sometimes longer than we need to, but when, when we have to, but I have to say this sometimes, you know, especially women, we've talked about this before. Um, it's, I, I think sometimes it's, is it our confidence perhaps about this whole idea of believing in yourself? Because sometimes we have this belief before we ask or apply or see ourselves in a new role that we have to know everything about it. We have to (laughs) already be doing it. And I'm always suggesting, always think about what your skill set is. Are those skill sets transferable? Of course they are. Do you actually need to know everything or do you have to have that confidence, that belief in yourself Mm -hmm. and tell yourself, well, you know what? I have this, 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 and this. And so if I apply that, then I'll learn. I don't have to know everything because I'm Mm going to figure it out. Why? Because you believe in yourself. Inherent belief in yourself. We need to do more of that as women. We do. And it's, I, I mean, obviously there was more gems because as they're coming up, because you had also mentioned to me the transferable skills. And I even yes. looked at myself and, and what, you know, and, and how I could apply that to, you know, to my career. And I was actually hiring um, an employee this summer and I kept, you know, in the interview, I said, well, talk to me about your transferable skills. You don't have this, but you know, you've got this to so tell me how this could relate. And, you know, sitting back thinking again, that all kind of stemmed from a conversation that we had. And yep. I was able to hire someone who was a little out of the box, but is doing a fantastic job and was at the end of the day, exactly what we needed because she had those transferable skills. You just had to show her the way, Christina. That's all <laughs> yeah. it is. Just show them yeah. the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, uh, again, like you said, pay it forward. Hopefully, you know, yeah. other people, if you're listening, definitely take that to heart because if you're looking for a new position, like you said, you, you can look, you don't have to check every box and there's probably no. a lot of what you're doing that applies in just a different way of thinking, you know, that's about right. it. That's right. So then kind of, uh, going back to your career and we sort of mentioned you, you know, you've got, uh, your background is in, you know, is in sciences. So what made you choose the career in healthcare and talk to me? I mean, your first job was at Faring. So talk to me a little bit about that first job and that trajectory of staying in healthcare and pharma. Well, so my, so of course my training is I have a background in, uh, in science and I, I always, listen, I was going to go do my PhD. So I was a bench reach researcher really. And truly that's what I did. I did bench research. Um, and I loved it. 
except, uh, and I'll also tell you, I loved teaching when I was doing my master's degree. So um, I loved being a TA. I I still, I can, I can (laughs) see myself doing this. And um, uh, I received a lot of, again, uh, um, you know, I felt a lot of accomplishment from that. However, um, I wasn't making very much money. (laughs) So truly, you just make choices. I found myself a position at Baycrest Hospital, and I was working with a clinician there on a study for Alzheimer's disease. And so we were doing some testing, and I was collecting data um, in you know, documented data. And I had a woman come in one day, I don't think I quite realized what was happening at the time. Of course, it's a job. I'm thinking I'm doing something good. And she comes in and she wants to monitor all the data that I've collected in these very specific forms or formats. Mm -hmm. And um, I asked her, what do you do? (laughs) And she told me, oh, well, I'm a clinical research associate. I work with this company, pharmaceutical company, and this is what we do. We verify, monitor, validate the data that's being collected, that it matches what's in the chart. And then this is part of a clinical research study, which would then go towards filing for a new drug application, right? An NOC Mm -hmm. in Health Canada. Well, I, I, and I had no knowledge of this. And then you will appreciate what I'm about to say. Because I said, well, how do I get a job then like to do this? Because I think this is great, except now I'll, I'll monitor somebody else's work instead of you monitoring mine. And she said, well, there's this big blue book. It's called a <laughs> compendium of drugs. This is how old I am. Does that mm-hmm. even exist anymore? Everything's online. Yeah, it's right. Much online. <laughs> of course. But she goes and gets the, the large big blue compendium. And she shows me where all the manufacturers are. And so what do I do? I write a cover letter, put my resume together and just like old school, mail them all out. Okay. I didn't email a thing. I mailed it. (laughs) And, um, one company called me one out of how many I sent out fairing. And that's how it all began. And I started in the industry as a clinical research associate. And I, you know, my younger self, oh my goodness, I flew everywhere across Canada. I mean, if I tell you some of the places I've been, uh, you know, North Battleford, Saskatchewan and Medicine Hat and just everywhere across Canada, because at the time um, you didn't have clinical research associates regionally. You had one and they flew everywhere. So this was honestly a very exciting, exciting time of my career. And I stayed in clinical research uh, through my work with Faring. Then I moved to Syntax, which then got purchased by Roche. And then uh, following that to Solve Pharma, which no longer exists. And I stayed in clinical for many, many years. I, I think almost the first six years of my career. And then I decided, let me try something new. And of all things, I went over to access reimbursement, Okay, uh, which was very different back then. It's uh, a lot more complicated and complex now. And then I made my way from there over to commercial. And that's, you know, and then it's just been, uh, I've had 
incredible opportunities, right? I've worked in biotech, I've worked in pharma, in publicly traded uh, companies, privately held organizations, big, uh, small, really small, and midsize. And where I thrive is usually around the midsize point. So this is why, um, you know, coming back, sometimes people say, oh, you came back home, back to fairing. <laughs> Um, but certainly there was a a real appeal, uh, to come back and, and lead the team here. So. Of course. And well, and I feel like you were curious right off the bat, because your 30 year career came from asking a question of what do you do? How can I do this? How can I, and I want everybody to hear this because I just, um, I just did a presentation, actually, it, I, it was very kind. I got invited to do a presentation uh, with uh, the DeGroote um, Health Policy MBA class just this week, actually. And someone asked me this question, and I think it's, it's so relevant. Well, if you start your career in clinical or research or medical, mm-hmm. but you're really interested in commercial, which is where I went, like, how do you even get there? And this is where I go to, okay, you have to, you have to be bold. You have to be courageous. You have to be willing to take some risk. And yes, you have to find an organization or an advocate that's going to help you get there, Mm -hmm. but it's about those transferable skills. So what did I learn, you know, as a clinical research associate, um, that I then applied, for example, to, uh, my access role which mm-hmm. then I apply to sales. And I think everybody, you know, anybody who's listening to this in sales, um, if you think about a scientist, you know, we pride ourselves in uh, rigor, analytics, mm-hmm. uh, validation. And I'm thinking I'm going to move over to commercial. And wow, like these guys, I'm not suggesting they didn't work hard, but they have a lot of fun. Like sometimes <laughs> scientists aren't very fun. But let me say, I had a real eye-opening experience. There is a science to selling. There is a science to marketing. There is a science to being really efficient and effective and good at what you do commercially. And it requires clinical, medical access, operations, analytics. Like you're not successful without all those things. So you know, that bridge, mm-hmm. I would not suggest it's easy, but it is doable. How you get there, you can find lots of different ways. My suggestion always is look at the areas of, the, of, the, of your operations, of your organization, where they touch multiple mm-hmm. uh, functional departments. So if you were to get into analytics, I mean, a scientist can go into analytics very easily. Um, if you were in clinical or medical, well, you're going to engage with commercial, you're going to be working with all areas of the business. And then you can one understand, do I even like this? (laughs) I think I want to go there, but I have to make, you know, even, um, areas like access, you think about what you have to do. You have to use science, Mm -hmm. right? You, you are working with, medical and commercial all the time. Everything you're doing is to provide access to your medicine for patients. So I say it's, it's, it's completely achievable. There are multiple ways to get there, but then you still have to take some risk and you have to ask 
people to take risk on you. And that's why I say you have to be really clear on what your skills are and how they can be applied to the new role. Not that you have to know the entire role. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And as a commercial person, um, even now I'm, I'm kind of looking for that more analytical side of things. So I've reached out to a lot of my colleagues who are, you know, come from pharmacy and are more of that sort of science background. So, you know, really educating myself on how to, you know, be more analytical, how to present, you know, the data, how to present, you know, even just some of the marketing in more and a more analytical lens. So like you said, there's a lot of that crossover that there is don't think. Right. But, and so speaking of kind of challenges and change, tell us one thing that you would change or that, you know, is challenging for your current position. Right now, challenging, I would say, uh, for anyone in a leadership uh, role um, is really determining how it is we're going to structure the organization. I mentioned that the way in which we are going to engage uh, will be different. How we do it, what competencies we're going to require in our people, how we can ensure that they're uh, well-skilled to do that um, and they're properly trained if there are some shifts that, that occur. Do we even have the appropriate infrastructure? Some companies do. Um, I would say that we are looking at how we can enhance and amplify some other areas, um, such as digital, for example, if that Mm -hmm. is what we need to do uh, to enhance the way in which we engage currently. So I think that, and then combined with, you know, what is, what is changing in our world? You know, what will be expected of us in the next two to five years Right now, my focus is, okay, how do we um, best care for the health and well-being of our staff while we're still working through getting back into the office? And, and we will be. What will that look like? We know that um, what we're being asked is to consider other uh, options of work, uh, including whether that be hybrid where you're in the office a number of days a week and then remote, or what we're looking at is something a little more flexible, a little more fluid. And what would that look like? Then how do you reimagine our own office space? Because the way that it is currently structured, does that um, provide us with what we need for more innovative space, collaborative space? Um, Mm -hmm. If people are a more flexible in terms of their approach, what do they need when they come into the office? And what is the technology we need? Because Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I'm certain of is you won't have everybody there all at one time. So now the technology has to meet those needs of those people that might be in the office that particular day, along with who's decided that you know, they need to work remotely for whatever that reason is. Mm -hmm. We're just having this conversation about our national summit next year and whether, so last year we did it completely virtually. Mm -hmm. Um, And is that what we want to do going into 2022? Or are we going to try? Are we (laughs) going to try and do this? Some people in uh, this space and some people virtual, we don't know yet. 
So these are the things that I think we're most challenged with is really meeting the needs um, of the market. And that market includes um, our workplace as well. Absolutely. And even for me, you know, I hired some people that weren't in Ottawa and we have people that are, you know, on the West coast, on the East coast. And it's mm-hmm. nice when you can sort of extend that talent pool, but it's, you, it always sort of, when you say it sounds simple in theory of, okay, we're going to go to this remote, but it's really not, we've been <laughs> trying to figure that out. We were going to go to a, a sort of a half, half, a hybrid, half in the office, yes. half remote before the pandemic hit. So we were very lucky that way, but even just, okay, going to one floor, what does that mean? There has to be schedules. What's that mean for yes. parking? So even just the logistics of it all complicated, it's actually complicated, as easy as it might sound, it is somewhat complicated. And of course, we want to try and provide um, as much uh, of an option to as many people. So meeting as many people's needs. And we know we can't, it won't be achieved. But that's what we're all really challenged with right now. And then you know, we're looking at other, at other things to as well. Like, what about AI? How do we use AI? Um, Really, I I I completely, you you know, you asked me, that's some something that completely, again, interests and intrigues me. How do we adopt something like that? How is it regulated? How do we regulate it? How do we um, ensure that that's built into our compliance, our ethics, our code of conduct? I I don't know but it's something we certainly should explore, explore, because this is the way of the future. And it doesn't take away what we need from our people. What we need from our people may shift as a result of what that technology informs us of. Mm -hmm. Things, I think. Yeah, innovation. 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 Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Which is, is interesting because now I'm going to sort of throw a curveball. So while I was sort of doing some Googling of you, um, oh. <laughs> I sort of, I found that the article that, you know, you had, to, or the interview, I suppose, um, in 2017. So kind of bringing it to sort of the overarching pharmaceutical more on on the business side of things. So in 2017, you had said that the biggest challenges bringing products to the market were difficulties in reimbursement and pricing, and then went on to say that some critical significances for the future would be to ensure availability of healthcare products through innovation, research, and access. So, you know, four or five years later, does that still ring true? And then how are you sort of propelling that into the next five years? So I have a firm belief, and it's probably my scientific training, truthfully, (laughs) like I can't get away from this belief that I'm still at the bench researching. But I'm, you know, I would probably say to you that I'm a a huge believer in continued uh, generation of scientific data. So Mm -hmm. I really do uh, believe in uh, real world uh, evidence it, meaning we now have products on the market. How are those products working? Where are they working? And uh, I think that that's uh, the value that the industry can continue to bring, mm-hmm. bring the innovations to market, but then continue to generate data so we can learn, uh, we can adapt, we can adjust Uh, And we can make the best decisions for the patients that we serve. And so I, you know, commercial is critical. There's no doubt. 
I honestly uh, feel that um, this idea of how medical and how access and commercial interact um, is critical to any business success. And, um, you know, I've been um, proposing for the last several years, you know, that that uh, one of the things I would say coming into fairing four years ago and why uh, you're reading this in that article is we did not have a, a, a complete infrastructure so uh, or capability or capacity in access the way I believed we should. Mm-hmm. And we've actually grown that area as well as our medical area over the last four years. And I'm, I'm proud because we have generated a lot of very critical data um, mm-hmm. that's being used around the world. And Canada led the way in that. That makes me very proud. That is amazing. And for anyone in our healthcare industry in Canada, we're just, even though we're 33 million, we're just a blip. <laughs> you know, we're not one of those sort of top, I don't even think we're in the top 10, are we, of places that, you know, clinical trials and research is coming out of. So just hearing that, it makes me, that makes me happy. <laughs> that's, a, that's also a testament to fairing that mm-hmm. has supported this type of data generation. I must wow. say, um, it really is a testament. And I think, um, again, it's in the service of patients and of how better to serve that patient population in terms of generating data, um, post, uh, market authorization. So much of this is generated through, um, you know, through our, in, our investigators and our local Canadian experts. Again, we have so much to offer. We should never underestimate uh, yes. our, you know, our size or our population mm-hmm. because we have so much to contribute. We have mm-hmm. such, um, you know, expertise here in Canada and we need to use it. Exactly. I, yeah. I think, yeah, I'm hoping everyone's going to start paving the way and, you know, if, even thinking outside the box, we've been doing more collaborations to, you know, bring information to pharmacists to, again, at the end of the day, we're all just trying to, like you said, it's all about the patient and we're trying yes. to bring it back to them. And um, I think it's going to be an exciting next five years. So then the last kind of question for the career comes to people management. I'm going to sort of squish um, two into one mm. where what it, what's your biggest challenge when it comes to people management um, and advice and approach? And then sort of the second part of that is, you know, it's always hard to receive tough feedback or even give tough feedback. So kind of what, what is your advice there as well? Okay. So I, I, so the first biggest challenge, uh, in managing people is, uh, is I'm going to go back to that quote from Adam Grant around confidence and belief. And I'll tell you, and I've said this to my, uh, team here in Canada, I know I believe more in them, uh, than they believe in themselves truly. So much, uh, about people management is having people actually, um, understand and appreciate what they have to offer, what their contribution is, uh, and how their, their contributions matter and how that creates value. That is tough. Um, and, and managing people is probably the, I would say it's, it's one of the hardest jobs you'll ever do managing. I, I don't know if I manage, I, I manage, but I really want to believe that I'm leading as well. Um, and I would say, uh, 
that along with, and it feeds right into this question about feedback, you know, having crucial conversations is not easy. It's not. And um, it's not easy. It's necessary. And you are doing people a disservice if you are not open and honest with them. And even when that feedback is maybe not received in the way that it was intended, I have a, I say this as well. Um, if we all assumed positive intent and were curious, uh, we wouldn't have uh, the tension sometimes that we do mm-hmm. um, or the doubt because we would be asking for clarification and we would believe that the person across from us having the discussion with us is coming from a place of uh, positive and good intention. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, feedback is hard to receive and I have received my share of feedback, good and also, uh, you know, what I call mm-hmm. the watchouts or the <laughs> blind spots that, you know, you, you, and, and I will share, share this freely with everyone. I'm extremely expressive. <laughs> Sometimes things are said, um, and I need to manage that expression because it's not necessary for people to understand through my expression, what my inside voice and mind is thinking. Mm-hmm. And so I have been given that, uh, that feedback and that feedback is accurate. <laughs> it is completely and absolutely accurate. I own it. Um, I know I'm not always, um, brilliant at playing poker. I don't, I'm not a big believer in poker, uh, meaning that I prefer to, um, perhaps not share it through expression, but through, uh, my words. Um, but I think that it is, it, you know, it is, um, it is good feedback. Um, it also, I think, you know, my, uh, my emotive or expressive nature also, um, is something I rely on because it also allows me to make very, um, very good connections with people. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's a balance, but I have received that feedback and I, and feedback is a gift. I know we don't always feel that <laughs> yeah. way, but it really is. And if we would just be open, mm-hmm. right. Don't personalize it, take it for what it is, then seek some, again, clarity. So the why, why are you, you know, why, and ask yourself the same question. Why do you think people see me showing up that way? Well, um, you know, and own your part in it, because if somebody's seeing something or somebody is sharing something with you with the intention of helping you or bringing it to your attention, then take it for, uh, what it's worth, um, make decisions. Look, you don't have to accept everything. I'm not suggesting that at all, but I am saying just pause, take a breath and really reflect like how, how much of that is true or not true. And even if only a small portion is, how do you want, if at all, to manage it? That's it. Yeah. And listeners, I would pause rewind and listen to that again, because that is extremely sage advice for someone who's, I I guess I might be mid-career now, but 
Yikes. <laughs> that is very good advice. And yes, it's, I, I agree with you. I have no poker face and there's a couple times too. I never even thought about it that way, but I should probably. Listen, I have been told directly, that. directly, Lee, you can't play poker. <laughs> and actually it's true. You know, in that, in that instant, I thought, oh, right. But that was feedback of, you know what, just, Hey, <laughs> and you know, say what you need to say without mm-hmm. maybe having disdain. Because <laughs> truthfully, I think that's how I don't know that that's what I consciously was trying to do. But I own that what I was told was was completely true. And uh, I, I had some I had to think about it. Mm-hmm. I have that with talking. I talk too much. And it's a joke in our family that Bellier's talk too much. And that's the thing. I own it. And, you know, now I'm doing a podcast because I thought I love to talk. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Do you have to keep in mind, you know, my listening skills, though? <laughs> so now we're going to jump and do a few personal things. And I love this one because I've been getting so many fun answers. So what are three words your friends and family would use to describe you? Okay. Well, (laughs) so I don't know uh, my friends and family. Well, my kids, let me just tell you, mom is tough, but she's fair. And you know what? My staff would say that too. I think Um, I have really, really high expectations. Yes. But I don't expect from others what I don't expect from myself. But then they would say that I just have um, just a a strange uh, side of myself where, you know, um, I'm quirky and I think I'm funny and I laugh at my own jokes. And so I think, you know what, I think they would say uh, all in all, uh, you're fun, mom. And um, I, tr- I try to bring that to work as well. Uh, sometimes, though, it's uh, only me that's laughing. So, but yeah, I think they would. They would say, mom is tough. I am tough, but fair. <laughs> tough, well, that, but fair. And that's good. That's a good balance. So, kind of, uh, we talked a little bit about this through education. How do you challenge yourself? Well, you know, during the pandemic, I actually looked at doing my PhD. If my, I did, I really did. And remember, I said, I have this, I'm completely intrigued and interested by this whole concept of organizational psychology. I was thinking of, you know, later on, I've probably got another decade in front of me um, before I believe I won't retire. I'll just pivot to something else, or maybe I'll have to do it sooner. I don't know. But I think, you know, it's, it's constantly really being curious and what other things interest me. And then how can I build, I don't have to do my PhD, excuse me, to, to build that expertise. I can take a course. I can, you know, I listen, I miss going, I'm, I, I am going to the office now, uh, more frequently, um, we've been one year out of the office now, uh, and I really need to delineate, my, uh, professional and my personal life. And, um, and so it's, it's really good for me to go back to work, but I miss that alone time for me where I listen to my podcasts in the car. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do do a lot of that. I look for other media. You're saying Blinkist. So you, uh, Mm -hmm. you listen to, uh, you know, to, to books being read. Um, Mm -hmm. so looking for other, 
um, avenues to teach myself. And then whatever I grab onto, I'm one of the, listen, I'll even be watching um, news or a doc. I love documentaries, documentaries, something will, it will uh, entice my interest and I'm already starting to look it up. So on my, we do strengths uh, finders here uh, at uh, Faring. We're, we're big believers in, okay. in uh, yeah, in really focusing on strengths mm-hmm. rather than trying to, it's, it's not because we should not always try to improve. That's, that's not what it's about, but where, where are your areas of brilliance? Like, where do they sit? Um, and uh, I'm learner is my number one. And that is, that is completely accurate for me. You will see if you came to my house, I have books everywhere. I am a, (laughs) I'm a toucher feeler. I like the book. Um, and, and I'll have different types of things going on at any one given time, you know, uh, a memoir, a, uh, uh, maybe, maybe something that's, um, you know, fiction, Mm -hmm. maybe something historical, uh, lots of science. I still buy lots and Love lots of books on science. I'm constantly intrigued. What's the latest, greatest thing? Oh, yeah. I, and, and longevity. Some... I'm all about <laughs> longevity. Chris, Christina, I want to live a long life. So, and yes. have no one guess what my age is because you're talking about mid-career and I'm making jokes that according to Shoppers Drug Mart, I'm now a senior citizen. So, oh. According to shoppers, I'm now (laughs) considered a senior citizen. Well, you look fantastic. Oh, stop. Okay. You do. So I don't, trust me, I would never, never (laughs) guess that ever. So, well, speaking of of that, so how do you, um, you know, what inspires you or how do you feel like your best self? My best self is actually whenever I'm, um, you know, people call it flow, or you're in a zone. Mm-hmm. And I typically feel that way when I'm working on something um, or working towards something that is truly uh, for the benefit uh, of the people in the organization. Or when I'm working on something, um, I hope one day I'll have a, a, the ability to teach. I think I would like to go back to teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but even preparing, I mean, preparing and presenting. I love presenting. You know, my husband, he's a school teacher. He, you know, he ha- tonight is curriculum night. He's nervous and it's going to be done on zoom. And I am running towards this opportunity to go and speak to, to MBA students, you know, at DeGroote. Yeah. I love this. And I, again, I know that about myself. So whether it's highlighting what we're doing in Canada to our region or to global, like I, I really love um, that aspect of my job because what I'm doing is I'm showcasing the people in the organization and all their accomplishments and their efforts and their commitment and their dedication. And I know I have a lot of pride. I will tell you, I have a lot of pride. And for good reason. And even just sort of hearing that I can already sort of see, you know, me watching you up on stage, like I watch Paul and just, again, you <laughs> capturing, you know, the minds uh, and attention and inspiring the people in the room, you know? So I, I look forward to in-person and I, yeah, I will. Me I, too. I, I miss it. A lot. <laughs> I miss it a lot. 
that virtual summit this year, um, I was in studio uh, along with uh, one other uh, team member, but I I have to say, and I could see everybody, you know, up on a screen, but I couldn't, um, I couldn't feel the energy in the room that you get when you have all the people around you. You know, I love to travel. I love to meet my colleagues. I love meetings in person, truly. And I know, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not been... um, uh, you know, that's not been allowed for some time, but I miss that. I miss that engagement and that connection and all the nuances that you, you don't realize don't exist in this type of virtual space. We're missing things. We are including my, my non poker face, (laughs) which, you know, which is important, Mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, I, um, yeah, that's what I love to do. So when I'm, I'm in my element, when that's what I, when I, I have the opportunity to do those things as much work and planning and preparation as those are the, yeah. um, the outcome and the result and the opportunity is really what drives me. Uh, I know. And well, we're, we're trying to have uh, at CPHA an in-person conference in June. So if that happens, you'll have to come to Ottawa and I'd love that. Know, I would love that. <laughs> we'll be great. I would love that. Crossed. Okay. Um, so then I, I love this kind of word superpower because I always say that being a people person and speaking is my superpower. So if you had a superpower um, that's helped you succeed in your career, personal both, what would that be? Uh, my superpower, it might, you know, it might be uh, my capacity, right? So I have a lot of capacity and I have a lot of resilience. I have been told no a lot of times during the course of my career. No, you can't. No, we won't. No, you shouldn't. Um, and I think that, you know, that that uh, sort of capacity to, okay, uh, and now what? Um, or help me get there. What more do I have to do? And still having the resilience that I do to keep, you know, keep moving forward. And look, um, I mean, many people I'm sure have experienced this, uh, you know, just even interviewing for a new role. It, uh, you know, how many times uh, have you been told no when you, you know, when you're interviewing? How many times do you need to interview for a role before you actually land one? And it's just this, you know, I just, I keep going. Yeah. And I firmly believe and you have to have this ability again, we talked about reflection, but you have to be where you are today and then have this um, ability to look back and understand why everything happened the way it did. Because I firmly believe things come when, you know, it's like the, the teacher shows up when you're ready. Well, um, I, yeah. maybe I thought I was ready. And when I look back and I see where I went and what I did, I'm exactly where I need to be. And I wouldn't be where I am today. Had I not done what I did or take the risks or had the adversity. So I think it's really, it's those two things, you know, and I do, I have a lot of capacity. I can do a lot of things. I'm not telling you I do them all exceptionally <laughs> well. No. Um, but, uh, I can Capacity, resilience, and some faith. Yep. You are where you need to be. I like that. So then, so the last one to wrap up this section is 
and I, I love this one because this happens so often to everyone. So what is something um, that is misunderstood about you? Uh, sometimes I'm, I would do, I would say two things, you know, um, in my role, sometimes I have to be quite directive, but that is not usually where uh, I play, I play or I sit, right? So that isn't my natural tendency or my preference. So it is not my preference to be directive. So I have this, I learned this from a colleague many, many years ago, you know, is this a tell or is this a sell? So if it's a tell, we don't need to negotiate. Okay. We're not negotiating. I'm telling yeah. you, this is the way it is. I'm sorry if you don't, you know, uh, if, if you don't like it, we can have a little bit of a discussion, but there's, it's not changing. Now I don't like to, to, to go there often. So when I go there, people understand. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So I really believe in the, um, you know, in this, the cell piece, meaning, okay, how can we do this in a way that's collaborative, constructive, challenging? Mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes um, people, uh, I don't know if people would ever describe me as conciliatory, but I do know that um, I've, I've been described as really easygoing and, oh, you know, um, Lee seems to be okay with that or, mm -hmm. and that's sometimes confused, right? It's that old adage. Don't, don't, um, confuse that kindness. Um, and sometimes I think it gets confused. Why? Because when I go to be directive, it's taken completely out of context. So that's, that's also on me. I, I try, um, to work with, this is, this is, um, this is really my mantra. We're in this together. Uh, I, I carry the burden and so I should, I am ultimately responsible. And so I should be, but we need to be in this together. So I don't want to do anything except set people up to succeed because when they're successful, ultimately that's my success. And that's how it is. It's not the other way around. Um, so I do, I do think sometimes there is a confusion with my, my, my collaborative <laughs> approach being right. a bit conciliatory or kind. And, uh, that doesn't mean that I don't have an edge and it doesn't mean that I am not ultra, ultra competitive, mm -hmm. but never at the expense of anyone else ever. I mean, I don't know how anyone would even think otherwise after meeting you. <laughs> so, <laughs> although I've never been in a one-on-one -on -one with any bad news that you've had to give me. So yeah. Well, and this is <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. And this is it. It's not always great. <laughs> yeah. So we have a few kind of rapid fire questions as the last sort of get to know you as a person. Um, so I'll, I'll jump right into what do you enjoy doing in your free time? So I love being outside. Uh, I love walking by the water or hiking in nature. And I love doing that with my husband and my two dogs. And if the kids want to tag along, that's fine. But at their age, they're kind of no, no. So that's what I love to do. And we will go on uh, really long uh, hikes and walks, uh, usually on the weekend. But I love it. Love it. If you get to Ottawa, I was hiking the Gatnos last weekend oh. and it is beautiful. Yeah. So what animal are you the most like, or as the kids say, what is your spirit animal? Okay. So I have a spirit animal and it's the dragonfly. 
And I'm going to tell you why. Because the symbolism of the dragonfly is illusion. And so what that reminds me at each and every day is that there is always a story behind what we see and what we hear. It's like not judging a book by its cover. That's really what it's saying. It's just a reminder. It goes back to be curious, right? Mm -hmm. Assume positive intention. People don't consciously want to hurt one another. I just don't believe that. Yes, sometimes we're misguided. And yes, of course, we make mistakes, all of us. Mm -hmm. But um, listen, when you see something or you hear something, there is typically something behind it. So that's the dragonfly. And um, people know how much I, I have dragonflies everywhere. And I wear them on all my lapel jackets. (laughs) So I have a collection of dragonflies. Wow. I, and I didn't know that that was sort of the, I guess the tail of the the dragonfly, if you will. So I'm, I'm kind of like, Oh, wow. That's really, really it goes to the wings. Like their wings are these translucent, beautiful, like you can hardly see them. And yet they, they're these incredibly exquisite creatures. I, I think, um, in what they do and how they fly. And that's, that's the illusion. You know, it's the reminder that there's so much more going on than you will ever know. And that's so true. How do we know what's going on in someone's mind or how they're feeling if we don't ask them? Exactly. Asking and then communicate because otherwise, exactly, yes. you just have no idea. Yes. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about this, but what ignites your passion? Honestly, uh, I mean, I do what I do because I love working with people. Um, and I think, you know, my passion, it, it really is. I'm, look, maybe in my uh, later years, I try to do this now. I, I, I really do take um, great joy in helping anyone I can um, in terms of, you know, providing advice if that's what they're asking for or just answering questions and uh and then hearing sometimes you know I don't I don't know what happens after a conversation or you know with mm-hmm. HBA I have so so enjoyed I have to tell you the mentorship program and the relationship that um I've had the opportunity to develop with the the mentee that I have yeah. I mean it's it's incredible but it's incredible um, because of her uh, showing up and being a hundred percent committed, and then we, you can see what she's already done in such a short period of time. And um, I didn't do it; she did it. But I got to be a part of it. That's really what. Again, that's that's my drive, my passion. If if I can help even one person a little bit, it will never be just about me, but it's what I was saying, how you learn from leaders and colleagues along the way, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what could you try that maybe you hadn't considered? Why are you thinking the way you're thinking? Why don't you think you can do that? Tell me why. Yeah. Transferable skills. What are they? Think <laughs> yeah. about that. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's great. And again, she's very lucky to have, to have you. I'm very and, lucky. I don't think, you know, both, Christina, yeah. I, I have to say, never underestimate what you as a mentor mm-hmm. also um, gain from the experience. True. Truly. 
right? Truly. I, I have gained a lot. I've learned a lot from her. I'm hoping that I've been able to also, um, sort of reciprocate in kind, honestly, it is, you know, it, it's, I love this type of, um, opportunity, um, and to see again, people thrive and flourish and go on to do more. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, to our listeners, even myself being part of the program, it's, I, I, you know, can't speak of it enough and and so highly speak of it. So definitely, I know we're going to start another program. So for anyone listening, look for that on the website, because, you know, as Lee and I can attest to this, you just, it's two way learning, but it's also, there's just something really, um, it's rewarding. It's highly, highly rewarding. Yes, for both you. parties, I think. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, thank you. I was losing words today, but thank you. That's perfect. So what is your happy place? Really? Um, I well, I can make any place happy if I if I wish, but the happiest uh of course is when I'm surrounded um uh, by my children, by my family. Um, but I'm happy when I go to work. Because in <laughs> in in a sense. You know, we call our, we call, we call um, uh, ourselves a faring family when we welcome new employees into the Canadian uh, organization. They're part of our faring family. And uh, so I have a family at home that I love, and I have a family at work who I tremendously, tremendously care about. I care about every employee and by extension, I care about their families. These are, we're all people irrespective yeah. of our, <laughs> you know, uh, of, of what our role is or our level of responsibility. We're all people mm-hmm. and yeah. And we're interesting and like we're a bit quirky so. like I am. <laughs> and um, we can learn from everyone. Ah. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I love asking questions and learning about people. People fascinate me. But so on the last, um, and I always think it's, you know, besides the travel, uh, what's on top of your bucket list? Honestly, I tell you, I had this conversation with my husband. I don't know why. I think we're crazy. <laughs> this is what I'm going to tell you. So I said, we love, and when I tell you we hike and we walk, mm-hmm. we're not talking about, uh, you know, a little uh, jaunt around the, uh, the block. Like we'll go and walk uh, 21 kilometers. Um, Yeah. Now we're a little aged. So the actual running part, I used to do triathlons and we've uh, done marathons in our younger years, but honestly, we both want to do an ultra marathon because ultra marathons, you can't run the whole way. You're going to be walking the ultra marathon, but yeah, we would like to do an ultra marathon, which would put us past our uh, marathon distance to 50 plus so, uh, yeah, 50 oh. kilometers plus, and, uh, one day we'll do it. We will do it. Um, but yeah, it's That's on our so bucket awesome. list and it's to do, it's to do together. I know other people are like, are you crazy? Go to the spa together. I know we, this is what we want to do. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll, we'll make a plan and, and we'll train for it and then, uh, we'll regret it afterwards, <laughs> but then we can say we did it. Yeah. I keep saying that about a half. I'm like, maybe I should do a half marathon. Cause I run, I'm like, maybe I should do a full. Then I think, Oh my God, so far. Um, yeah. I think when it gets back into road racing, maybe I'll do that again, but see, you're still young and your body can (laughs) handle it and your joints can handle it. Mine cannot. Um, I really, I I did a lot of things when I was young and I think my, you know, my body is now 
speaking back to me and saying, no, but you can walk and a little run and run walk. Yeah, exactly. Well, you'll have to let me know when you're doing that because I will come to wherever it is to just like have well, one because of you have to feed. Yeah, it's science <laughs> and food, apparently. So okay. well, I yeah. don't have to worry about dieting at all if I train for an ultra. <laughs> I mean, no, that's I know. crazy and awesome. I can eat whatever I want. Yeah. That yeah. Doesn't sound like a bad thing. No. Well, well thank you so much. Oh. Um, Uh, It's been so great chatting again. And I know that all of our listeners, I I will call them gems. There's been so many. And, you know, I just thank you for giving your time so freely to the, you know, the HBA and for always just sort of supporting when you can and and paying it forward by being a leader, by being a mentor. And it just, it just speaks to who you are and your leadership and probably why, you know, really why you are where you are, because you're just, you're fantastic. So thank you. Christina, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate, I appreciate the invitation and, um, and this opportunity to share, uh, my, my experience with everyone. And I do hope, um, there was one thing that resonated for your listeners, because, uh, if that makes a difference, it's always worth it. So thank you. And I think it will. So that wraps up another fantastic healthcare leadership interview. Again, I'm sure Lee has inspired you as much as she does me. Make sure to follow our LinkedIn page, HBA Canada Region, to make sure you don't miss on any exciting opportunities. Up next, we have our October hot topic dropping at the end of the month. So stay tuned. I want to give a big thanks to our HBA community for listening today. I am Christina Bellier, Marketing and Communications Board Member, and your host for today's podcast. And until next time, let's push boundaries and rise together. 